Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24:14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Resiliency. You are in for a real treat today, so I just want to play you a little teaser of part of our amazing interview with Scott Sham. How has how has suffering made you more resilient? Yeah, so understanding resiliency is kind of quite simplistically as elasticity, the ability to rebound from a real hard hit in life, whatever that may be. The one one of the illusions there is that it might give a sense that I become stronger. Um, and yet in my own life, what I realize is that because of these illnesses and such, I'm actually much weaker. I actually have very significant physical limitations. And so the resiliency conversation has to be, I think, has to be immersed in a certain tolerance of mystery because there's a whole lot of stuff here I don't get. So in this episode, Scott adds to our existing definition of resiliency with the ideas of weakness and even tolerance for the mystery of God. And I want to just point out before we begin that the definition we gave in our intro is not a final definition, but it's a working definition, and it's one that's going to continually grow and evolve as we have conversations with people and as we continue to tease out what does it mean to be resilient. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it with Scott Sham. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being with us today. So I'm just going to ask you to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a, a little bit of your, your journey that's brought you to this. this yeah, sure. Part. So my wife and I, Beth, we've been married for 35 years. Uh, we have three adult sons that live scattered around the U.S. And um, a couple of them are getting married this year. So we've really been enjoying adding daughters to our lives. We're based out of Colorado. We're with Barnabas International. Our journey started uh, in Hong Kong many years ago when we were church planners there, working amongst the grassroots people of, of Hong Kong. And that was a very formative time of life for us. And then uh, unexpectedly found myself on staff at a church on the east side of Detroit for 10 years. That wasn't a trajectory that we saw for ourselves, but one of our kids was really struggling. And the Lord was doing some very formational things for us. And as we look back in hindsight, we see how he was weaving these two paths together of cross-cultural ministry experience and, and pastoral shepherding of mm. others into this ministry that we've been doing. We've been with Barnabas International for 60, 16 years, which provides pastoral care and training to, to workers all over the world. Presently, I'm the associate director of Barnabas, but... Really, my, my joy is I'm a shepherd teacher. I, I love teaching the word. I love companioning others amongst the ups and downs of, of life. And I love what I get to do in Barnabas as far as just helping to shape the culture and the direction of the organization. Well, Scott, just from my own experience with you, you're, you're really good at teaching and shepherding mm-hmm. and accompanying people. So. I agree. Thanks. The topic that we've asked you to share on is, is suffering. I've heard you share a lot, read some things that you've written on suffering. Tell us just a little bit about just your journey that has made you so qualified to talk about suffering. 
Well, actually, my journey on this topic started months after 9-11. That's been 18 years ago already, which is amazing. But I was at this gathering of caregivers and a senior caregiver, uh, she in her talk, she mentioned that uh, she was just taking, we are just taking note of how the Western world was responding to that whole incident in, in our country and commenting on how we were really lacking a theology of suffering to, to guide us in response to such tragic and cataclysmic events. And I just remember something going through my mind thinking, you know what, I, I want to dive into that. Mm. And so I did. I just I just began to list out all the core passages starting in the New Testament that address something to do with trials, temptations, sufferings, hardships, persecution. There's a lot in there is what I was beginning to find. Mm. And I just began to slowly wade through that and accumulate ideas and thoughts and from from the word of God and was trying to develop a biblical theology on this subject. And along with that, then eventually uh, over the next couple of years, I had opportunities to speak at some events and I, I really enjoyed doing that. But I, I clearly had a lot more to learn. I mean, it's one thing to talk about a subject conceptually, whether it's a theology or anything else. It's another thing to, um, to have to live it. Yeah. And the Lord took me through some pretty difficult seasons about... It's been 12 years ago. I, I, I went through, in a two-year span, I went through two life-threatening illnesses. Uh, the first one nearly claimed my life, and the second one was about two years later, and it left um, lasting health limitations and symptoms that I still live with to this day. And those symptoms at times are uncomfortable. And they've uh, slowed me down quite a bit. But the reality is in that season, I was immersed in this in this deep time of spiritual darkness and Man, I was experiencing fear and anxiety like I had never experienced in my life. Um, I was very limited in my work. It, it was literally undoing me. It was awful. Man, I was questioning God. I was just confused. And it was wonderful. It wasn't wonderful right away, but it was wonderful as the years passed because, in a sense, he was very graciously and generously drawing me deeper into himself. You know, that's, that's what really draws me into this topic. Scott, that thing of him graciously drawing you deeper into himself, help us to connect the dots between you being in such agony in your, in your soul and in your body, I would think, and coming to know Jesus at a much deeper and more intimate level. Yeah, the reality is, is we all have unresolved stuff in our life. It may be emotional, physical, relational, professional, um, and some of this stuff just lingers. It could have been a past life hurt in her family of origin, could struggle with depression, uh, could be a struggle in her marriage with her kids or single. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that comes at us in this life. And many times they just confounds us. It pushes to us, pushes us to our limits. And we cry out to God and for reasons that are boggling at times, he doesn't always rescue us from these things. Right. He can. We know he loves us. We know he's powerful. And yet times he doesn't move. And so what's up with that? And that's that sense of incredible angst and, gosh, am I on my own? I have to find my way through this thing on my own. And so, so helpful for me to be taken through this and to be transformed by it. And it's, it's really through these long seasons of life as I wrestled with these questions that the Lord really began to take shape in my life. Would you say, I came to know 
these aspects of his character more or God spoke in those times? You know, I'm thinking about the listener who's saying, oh, Scott already kind of, kind of uh, got this. I'm, I don't get it at all. You know, what are, you know, some things that you found yourself doing or doing, thinking, renewing of your mind or what? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think uh, one of the key, one of the basic questions we always ask is why? Why is this happening to me? Why did you allow it? Why did you cause it? Why won't you take it away? And that is such a, a fundamentally normal human response to these type of hardships. And it's important to give voice to these things. You, you see it in the Psalms. How long, O oh Lord? Why, 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 haven't, why, why do I get treated the way I do? Christ cried out, cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why are you forsaken me? So this why question is very fundamental. But it, it doesn't, it, it can really cause us to get stuck if we stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, why question often breeds a sense of doubt and fear. It's, it has a sense of putting us over and across from God or we're demanding an answer from him. And frankly, I find in my own life and in many other people that I talk with and have journey with, he almost never answers the why question. And so this is something I really wrestled with. And what I came to realize is he's offering so much more than an answer to that question. And he's inviting me to ask a much deeper and wiser question. And that question is how. How how do I walk with myself? How do I walk with you, God, in the midst of this reality that I had no desire to be in? I, I didn't. I, I got my illnesses all happened when I was working with workers overseas. I was doing what God told me to do. Is, is this my payment for doing this thing? And so the Lord was inviting me into something deeper. And frankly, he wants to give us something much more substantial than an answer to why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. And what he wants to give me is himself. And it's in these deep, dark times in which he is opening up places within us that he can move into that really aren't opened up any other way than through adversity. Mm -hmm. And frequently, very long, prolonged adversity. So I began to ask the question saying, Lord, this stinks. I don't like it. I really want you to take it away, but I want to walk with you. I don't want to just learn the lessons you have to teach me on it. That can leave me in this cognitive posture. I want to learn how to walk with you and other people in the midst of this thing. Now, mind you, it took me years to get there, but this is where the Lord was drawing me slowly and faithfully. And this whole how question takes us in a completely different direction. It it's almost seems to me like it's a rewiring of our, our brains and how we relate to God. Because the why question is how we manipulate God to um, to, to do what we want or, or feed our expectations of what we want. But the, the how question, it's, it's just a completely different way to relate to him. Yeah, absolutely it is. It opens us up into a totally different relational posture with him. And, and that's the key there. I mean, ultimately, God's greatest desire in my life is not my comfort. And that's antithetical to the Western culture mindset and message. His greatest desire is for me to know his love. And if you read the New Testament authors, Paul, James, Peter, all of them, they will have this, this core teaching that in the midst of the sufferings I rejoice, not because I like the sufferings, but because I'm becoming increasingly aware that God is up to something much, much deeper. Yeah. And that is to draw us deeper into the Father, Son, and Spirit relationship to open us up to love. The reality is, is that all the years that I've taught in suffering, all the study I've done, 
been overseas, been in the church. It was deep, prolonged, unremitting adversity in which God really began to waken up my heart to his love for me. Mm. What a paradox. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where this really stinks. I don't ever want to experience it. I don't wish it on anybody else. Man, I really like the fruit. Who God is making me to become in this context is frankly um, very rich, very satisfying. And honestly, you guys, I fought this for years. I was so confused and so frustrated. And I eventually came to a point of resentment. And then that transpired into a, a kind of a posture of resignation. Well, I guess it's just the way it is. I've been to specialists all over the country. They can't give me any answers. There's no pill to, pill to take. There's no prognosis of resolution. I'm just probably going to live with this the rest of my life. I've been anointed with oil. People have laid hands on me and prayed for me. Nothing has changed. So you just resign yourself to it. But a resignated heart's a dead heart. Mm. And so Lord didn't leave me there. He kept on drawing me deeper and deeper himself to the point that I embraced it. And now, I, as quirky as it sounds, I'm grateful for it because I love who I am 12 years later compared to who I was then. Wow. Despite mm. the fact of what it cost me. Now, mind you, this is a decade of God teaching me and taking me along paths I didn't even know existed. I did not figure this out on my own. Mm. This was his gracious drawing me along. So powerful, but so painful. We can hear it. Absolutely. And this really is an expression of his love. And um, it just doesn't fit into some of our normal cultural dynamics. Mm -hmm. But his love is expressed um, through self-giving. And if we want to know how God's view is on expressing his love and suffering, the first place we look is Jesus Christ on the cross. Our God is not a God who stands aloof and indifferent from us. He gives himself to us. So he knows suffering. He knows what it means to give a life, his life away. Um, and it's through the suffering of Jesus that I'm first drawn in to the love of God, his goodness, forgiveness. And that continues, continues through in the sanctifying process. It's kind of scary because sometimes you wonder when the next shoe the shoe's going to drop. Yeah, yeah, but in the end, I've been learning not to look over my shoulder so much and just entrust myself to Him. That's a long, long, slow walk with Him. Wow. Well, Scott, I think you've already pretty much answered this, but how has suffering made you more resilient? And if you could make that as a you know, in a succinct encapsulating what you've already said as possible, how has how has suffering made you more resilient? Yeah, so understanding resiliency is kind of quite simplistically as elasticity, the ability to rebound from a real hard hit in life, whatever that may be. Uh, one, one of the illusions there is that it might give a sense that I become stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And yet in my own life, what I realize is that because of these illnesses and such, I'm actually much weaker. Mm-hmm. I actually have very significant physical limitations. And so the resiliency conversation has to be, I think, has to be immersed in a certain tolerance of mystery because there's a whole lot of stuff here I don't get. I don't understand God's ways a lot of the time. And it absolutely has to be immersed in a gospel reality. And what I mean by that is that I don't figure this out on my own. The gospel reality here is that God is always previous. He's acting. He's the one who's initiating and I'm in a responsive mode to his, his work and his life. And his, 
in my life. And his initiating towards me is always out of love, faithfulness, goodness, and kindness. Mm. Even if it seems like it comes at me in a sideways way, like a difficulty in life, it's still always immersed in that reality. So are my wife and I more resilient because of the sufferings we experience in life? Absolutely. That's not because I can stand on my feet better than I used to. It's because in the realities of my emotional, spiritual, and physical weaknesses, I have been taught by the Lord how to walk more dependently on him. And so when the next hit in life comes, I respond to it in a much different way. Wow, that's good. Wow, I love that. Mm. I hope everybody that's listening really picked up on that because that was that was key. Mm. Yeah, you know, another part of our story is um, Beth, my wife, she lives with chronic pain. It's been six years. It's uh, related to nerves in her right leg and some muscle dynamics. And we have seen some of the top specialists here in our region. And it's, a, it's fascinating to sit down with, a, you know, one of the top level national doctors who's you know, the neurologist for the Olympic team or whatever. And they just sit there and they listen to the story and they poke and prod and take x-rays and MRIs. And in the end, they just shrug their shoulders like, I, I don't know. I've seldom ever seen this. Mm. And how do you respond to that? Mm. I mean, they just leave you in despair. Like, is this really, is this all I got left in life? It's just this pain. And so, um, again, Lord, I don't like it. This stinks. I'd sure like for you to take it away. But our opportunity, again, is to walk with other people. And Beth and I are very aware that it's in the context of our physical sufferings in which he invites us to walk with him and other people. Mm. That's the context in which he's going to manifest himself in our lives. Wow. Yeah, that Second Corinthians, comfort others with the comfort you yourself have received is yeah, exactly. coming through in what you're saying because uh, you haven't mentioned healing. You are saying, I am not yet healed. Beth is not yet healed. and the, But we are living in the comfort of God. We're living in the, in the deeper trust in God than we, than we had before this trial. We are, we are more aware of the love and faithfulness of God because of the trial. Yeah. And I, I've often said, um, Lord is using physical illness to heal my soul. Mm-hmm. Is that um, I'm a more mature person in Christ. I'm a truer expression of myself in Christ now through unresolved physical pain than when then I was when I was what I would consider very healthy. And so, yeah, there's just different parts of me that are being healed. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, man, you hit a certain point in life and it is all downhill. So I can't <laughs> tell anymore what's age and what's, what's leftover illness and stuff, but the Lord yeah. is continuing to draw us deeper into himself. And that's, that's a comfort. So, yeah. And, and like I said earlier, there's a lot of mystery in this. There, I mean, I'm not an expert on the subject. I just, I don't understand how, how and why God does some of the things he does, but I know, I know that he's good and I do trust him. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets to the heart of when you talked about your, your soul being healed, it gets mm-hmm. to the heart of really a conundrum in our, our culture and our society that so much of our identity is shaped around what we do and how we look or, or whatever. And yeah. um, really it's, it's about where we are at our soul level and our relationship with God that matters most. Yeah. Yeah, and think about us living in some of the living and working in some of the places that we work around the world. 
I mean, we can present our American version of ourselves where we're all cleaned up and healthy and strong and all that, and, but that's not what the world, the world's longing to see. Well, how does your God show up in the midst of poverty, suffering, brokenness, relational conflict? Is he really the Christ, the resurrected Christ that you say is? Is he really there with you? And that's that's what the world's dying because that's the world we go to with the guys mm. broken. It's deeply broken. So true. And the opportunity is in our brokenness, in our broken communities as we struggle as teams and marriages and stuff. Is this still manifest a true deep, deep joy and trust and hope and those type of things? That's that's the gospel message we get to present. Wow. Yeah. So Scott in um in thinking about our, our listeners, a person on the field who may be going through a, a really difficult time or a season of suffering themselves, maybe it's sickness or, or whatever, what would be a real practical takeaway that you might want to share with somebody who's kind of wrestling with this maybe for the first time? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, first of all, this is usually a long process. So patience. Um, yeah, none of this is going to be really revelatory here. <laughs> This is going to be some things you've heard before and may induce a, a rolling of the eyes. But I tell you, when I was in my darkest places, I needed some tethers. I needed some stakes in the ground because the winds were blowing hard. And I just felt like I was going to blow away like tumbleweed or something. I just, I was lost. So I knew that I had to circle back around and look at some of those very passages that I had studied and taught so many years and just keep submitting myself back into the presence of the Lord. The fact is, is that our time in the Word of God is what nourishes us for the pilgrimage. My time in the Bible, is in the, in the written Word, is when I'm nourished by the living Word. It's the only way it really got me through my darkest hours. The second thing I would say it's important is so, it's so essential that we find somebody that we can talk to, tell our story in a completely unedited version. A counselor, a spiritual director, a mentor, somebody that we can just offload and process. And if I could, uh, I'd like to just tell a real brief, short story. We got a couple minutes here. I show it. So my, I mentioned my wife has chronic pain. And about, about four weeks ago, I began to have these thoughts bubbling up within me that really caught me by surprise. Some of them were just thoughts of resentment, I uh, even had some thoughts of escapism, not necessarily like in a, I don't know, moral sense, but just like, you know, I got to get away from this type of thing. And I thought, what what is this stuff that's popping up? And it just really caught me by surprise. And I've worked with enough people and enough debriefings in different contexts. I realized that this was probably some accumulative emotional things going on inside of me in relation to journeying with Beth and her pain that I was totally unaware of. And the normal reaction is just to stuff this stuff down or confess it as sin or whatever. But I honestly believe it was the Holy Spirit that was pushing it up within me. And so I contacted one of my colleagues in Barnabas. Uh, he's a very gifted counselor. I just said, hey, man, can I, I got to talk about some stuff. I don't have words yet, but something's coming up. And so we sat down and talked. And I had three major insights in the midst of that conversation that I just did not know was there. And one of them was, is that I felt like that there was a third person in my marriage all of a sudden, and that everywhere my wife and I went, there was this third person, and this third person's called pain. And it, we were never, ever alone away from this third person. It's like her marriage had been invaded. And I just 
I wanted, I wanted to get away from this third person. What that meant is I have to get away from Beth, but I don't want to be away from Beth. I want to, we're, we're called in this ministry and life together. And so, but it was just so helpful and it, it um, kind of demystified it for me. It quieted it for me. It, it just, it was just so helpful for me just to have somebody to talk to. And so if, if you're feeling stuck, the most important thing is to find somebody safe that you can talk to and process with. It's mm, great. Uh, shout out for the counselors out there. That's right. Well, Scott, this was this was really amazing. I'm so grateful to you for being willing to share this. When when we were thinking about just the different topics for the the podcast, and of course, suffering being one of them, uh, you were one of the first people I thought of, and just your gentleness, mm-hmm. the way that you've always been able to speak truth, even in the midst of my own suffering in times when I was going through hard times, was always so impactful and meaningful. So I'm just so grateful that you are willing to share for our audience. Scott, I'd love for you to shamelessly plug your book. Uh, I know that you've got, you've, you've, you've uh, let your thoughts about suffering disentangle themselves as they've passed on to the page. So why don't you tell us about what you wrote about this and let our audience know where they could get that. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I really felt like the Lord was nudging me to probably start putting this stuff on paper. And so I put it in book form. Um, I, the illness that I live with, I dubbed my uninvited companion. I didn't, I didn't invite this into my life. I don't like this thing, but here it is everywhere I go, it's with me. And so that found its way into the title of the book and I entitled it the uninvited companion, God shaping us in his love through life's adversities. And um, it tells a lot of stories that I've learned. Some of them are just biblical stories. Some of people have journeyed with some of my own story in there and kind of unpack some of these difficult passages in the Bible, hopefully in a pastoral and not a really heavy handed way. And so, yeah, you can pick it up at Amazon, those type of places, or just email me and I'll be happy to get a copy to you. But yeah. Yep. Okay. Scott Shalm. I, uh, I read it when Scott uh, gave me a copy and, proceeded to buy a box of them so that I could just help others who are going through tremendous suffering in their life to have a, a great, great resource like this. And like Scott's own story and his unpacking of the biblical framework and theology and stories of suffering. So it's, it's really a great book, Scott. And I appreciate you, you know, just, just making that effort to bless uh, the body of Christ with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks guys. Well, Scott, one of the things we always ask our guests to do, we just ask them to pray a prayer of blessing and impartation on the listeners. So I'm wondering in closing, if you're willing to do that for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a blessing here I'd like to read that I wrote. Um, It says, May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave his Son and is well acquainted with suffering, by his Spirit and Word increase in you, the awareness of his abiding love, strength, and mercy, even in the darkest hours. Mm. For his love is greater than all, and in the end will overcome all for his son's honor and for our well-being. May you trust him. May you entrust yourself. May you trust the loved one that's suffering in your life to him. He is good. He is faithful. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott. Thanks again, Scott. You're welcome, guys. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's been great to be with you. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. You've been listening to Resiliency. This episode has been produced by me, Silas West, with help from my co-host, Steve Finley. We are so grateful for the generosity of our guests for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. 
We also want to give a big shout out to the band Honest Men, who wrote and performed the music in our intro and outro. Special thanks for the voice talent of Sarah Neely, who introduced us at the beginning of the episode. If you liked what you heard, encourage your friends to subscribe and tune in in two weeks from now for the next episode of Resiliency. 